I'm so glad. Wow, what a worship. Woo! Oh, man. Man, I wish it could always be this way everywhere. But I'll tell you what. It has a lot to do with the anointing. Yes, it does. The anointing. And uh, I used to tell people, because I was a worship leader for many years, different churches and whatnot, and I would, uh, others would say, well, how is it, how do you do that? And I said, listen, uh, I never choose a song that doesn't have an anointing on it just to have a filler. We don't need fillers. We need the presence of God. So each song selected for the anointing that's in it and on it, but also be a deliverer. I'm talking to you now. You be a deliverer. How about that? We need God in us, the hope of glory. And when we walk in that, we are deliverers. We're ambassadors. We're carriers of the glory of God. Huh? It's good. Well, I'm going to tell you about a couple things on the table, but let's see. Does anybody? Oh. Yeah, bring that up here. I, I thought I brought one. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's great. Um, these are, who doesn't ever get my newsletter? If you, if you would like to have it, just raise your hands because, okay, hold them up. Somebody can pass them out. There's more in the back, too. There's some of these, too. We can... <laughs> There's some of these. Yeah, I'll just see who wants them. There you go. I thought you'd like to, to know that uh, I work with pygmies. Has anybody never heard me before in here? Yeah. I work with pygmies in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is in the very heart of Africa. It's equator, so it's extremely hot there. A lot of days are 120 degrees. And so uh, you really have to acclimate yourself to it. We, uh, we actually are so called to be there that we know how to live like they live. We know how to endure as they endure. The trouble with the body of Christ is we don't want to go through anything. We don't want to have a trial. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then you'll never see the glory of God. When you walk into the midst of the storm, there is the presence of God. Are you listening? Fear not the storms. Fear not the trials. Because as you go through it, the glory of God will manifest in and through you. When you come out triumphant, you'll be showing the world, this is how it's done, baby. This is how a Christian walks through every trial. Come on. We walk through triumphant because we already won before we ever began. This is just truth. The Democratic Republic of Congo is the most dangerous place on the planet. I know you thinking, you're thinking, well, this country, that country. Maybe you're thinking Ukraine. Yeah, it's dangerous there. How many armies are fighting in the Ukraine? They telling us two: the Ukrainians and the Russians. Do you know how many armies are fighting in the Congo? Over 150. And most of them are jihadist monsters. 
So that's where I work. Want to come with me? Well, all right then. Most people say, no, I'd rather send you. I said, well, good, because I am a sent one. Do you know what apostle means? A sent one. So I am. I'm a sent one. How many sent ones in here? See, we make a big hoop-de-doo out of apostles. They just, it just means sent one. Maybe God will send you into the fiery furnace. Or maybe he'll send you across the street to that snotty neighbor nobody likes. That could be a tough call there. I have a few around me, and I've loved them to, to, to life. Come on. I loved them to life. I told a couple of stories last night, so all my neighbors love me now. Every time, because <laughs> I take them chocolate-covered strawberries, they love me. Is this the way to do it? <laughs> well, on my table, we have something called scripture stakes. And we take these all over the world, literally. And we change cities. We change countries. We change homes. See, I think start with your own front yard with this. You got devils in your house? Go stake it and make them leave. Not kidding. You want to see a hurricane coming? Stake it and demand it. Not one leaf will blow off my tree. And it shall be so. You see, it's all by faith. These are just used by faith. So they say revival, repentance, reconciliation, and restoration with scriptures to match. And I pray over each one with fragrant oil. Can you see that? You can even still smell it a little bit. But man, I'm going to do a staking adventure. That's what I call it. Uh, or expedition sometimes if we're going to a foreign country. But the next three days, we'll be down in Central Coast, California. And we're going to bust up some demonic strongholds down there, honey. We're going. I'm not going to tell you what all we're going to do. I'm not going to broadcast it. We're just going. And I've got quite a group that's going to be with me down there. So be praying for us because it will affect your whole state. What we're fixing to do, I can't talk about it, but I can tell you, amazing. Okay, this is a book called Jezebel versus Elijah. We're exposing this wicked spirit. This is the one... The wicked ones released first over our nation, followed with the Leviathan. You see, they get together and they pull down wicked spirits out of the seventh heaven. Uh, well, I didn't mean to say that. Out of the second, I meant to say second heaven. Did you know that there's a lot of demons up there in the second heaven? And they pull them down. And the first one they released on America when they wanted to pull us down, lock us up, lie to us and release deadly viruses you heard me you don't like that I don't care uh, so uh, they released Jezebel so this book exposes that amazing and how to rise as Elijah did and take back our land amen this is the music CD. Now, I want to see a show of hands. How many need a healing in here? Raise your hand and keep it up and let me see. 
I'm making decisions. Hold them up high now. Okay, so you guys, we will end with that Stripes song. On here is a song called Stripes. It's the first song. When I first put this album out, there were six hits, nationwide hits. But nobody would play the one I liked the best. Well, they said, it's not really a song. I said, it's the best song on there. Are you kidding me? And they put it last. So there's 15. Well, as soon as I got control of it, I made it first. So uh, we've had, oh, way over 3 million, way into 4 million people worldwide now that have been healed just listening to that song. So we're going to end with it. But why wait? Why, why don't you release your faith right now? Because the anointing is here, you see, stirred up by that worship. And so why don't you start releasing your faith right now for your healing and your miracle? And at the end of the service, don't leave because we're going to do this song and there's going to be a lot of healing in here. A lot of people going to be set free tonight. Uh, this is a song with 39 whip cracks in it. And I call out scriptures and God just heals people. It's amazing. This is something I think is very pertinent, very important right now. Give me liberty. Huh? This is the story of Patrick Henry, who my mother was related to by blood. And uh, it tells all about what he really did for us during the Revolutionary War. And how he was the one true Christian of all our founding fathers. And he was the first abolitionist uh, in, in leadership in the nation. I mean, he was quite a remarkable guy. And uh, the things he did to help us into the revolution and then help us win it. You will be shocked because none of this is in your history books. This came down through my family records and was handed to me. And I want to share it with you so you know the truth about the founding of our country. Now, this is something I've talked about the glory many times here. But this is a terrific DVD about releasing the glory. How to do it. How to walk in it. How to see it everywhere you go. Now, pygmies, yay! Come on, we like them. Yay, pygmies. Okay. So uh, this is a wonderful book with 50 pictures. Children will love it. Adults love it. Dead raisin stories, miracle stories, and how, we, how God sent me to the pygmies 14 years ago. And almost 14 and a half now. And the final thing, uh, the Stripes book. Who has this? Wow. Wow to this. This is spiritual warfare, healing, and deliverance. It's just powerful, and you'll love it. It's a how-to book. Somebody needs to carry that back and get it back on the table because we are. I could do it if nobody else would do it. Okay, there we go. All right, so uh, we're going to start with a little movie. Probably want to dim all the lights. It's just a little three-minute movie to begin. All right, go ahead. You guys queued up? In times of financial uncertainty, is there an absolutely secure place to invest without fear of loss? Yes, Jesus instructed us to lay up treasures in heaven where it cannot be damaged or stolen. Right now, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, harmless tribal people known as pygmies are being hunted like animals and eaten. 
It's an unspeakable evil and almost nobody is stopping it. Almost. About four and a half years ago, the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice. And uh, he said, pygmies. He said, pygmies. Oh, I like pygmies. They're so cute. Tiny little people hiding in the jungle. And they told me that the rebel soldiers were killing and eating the pygmies. And that was the day that I discovered about two-thirds of the pygmies in the Congo have been eaten or murdered. And only about a third is left. But the rebels know how to hunt them and shoot them out of trees or just chase them through the jungle. And when they find them, they'll shoot one and cut it in two and roast it and eat it right in front of its own family. So it's a horrifying thing that's going on in that Congo. Maybe the worst genocide I've ever heard of in my entire life. We have devoted our lives now to this cause, going and rescuing the very least of these. God calls them his dear little people, and surely they are precious, innocent, and when they come to Jesus, they come all the way to him. They want to serve him. They'll come into town, burn their voodoo idols and tree gods and throw themselves on the mercy of God. At that point, we uh, buy land for them, build them villages and take care of them uh, because if they go back to the deep jungles, they'll surely die. We have laid our lives down for this cause, the cause of reaching people that nobody else wants to reach, that nobody else loves, and yet the Lord loves them. At this time, uh, I've reached 58,000 pygmies and counting with the good news, and all of them saved. I've built 20 villages, and in those villages, we care for them and make sure that the rebels can't get to them. We rescue them, and we tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and they always accept Him because when they hear the truth, they know the truth. Now is the time to be the hands and feet of Christ. Those who are called to bring the love of God to remote and dangerous parts of the world need our support. Help save these people from death and hell while investing in your own eternal bank account. It's the best return on investment in the universe. Thank you for your generous support to help Dr. Keaton and her team bring hope to hurting people. All right. Cool movie, right? Those pygmies are so cute. Don't you just love them? Well, uh, I must tell you that um, there's a crisis right now in the Congo bigger than any I've seen heretofore. And that is, out of the Middle East, they've funded a major surge of the jihad, and their intent is to take over the eastern part of the Congo. Now, the Congo is, uh, well, you could fit three of Texas in it. It is enormous. 
So uh, we have pygmies all over. Now, that movie was made several years ago. Uh, I've rescued well over 80,000 pygmies now, and they are all serving Jesus. They worship him with all their hearts, and they pray for us. They think Americans need prayer. They're right. And so uh, they're very sincere in all they do, and they worship him with all their hearts. So this is, a, this is a culture that we wouldn't understand here unless we spent a lot of time with those dear little people. But they are God's people. God sent me to them because no one else would go. Who wants to work in a war zone and get shot at every day? Who wants to have the voodoos come after you every day? Who wants to be chased down mountains and, and, and chased with machetes and threatened? Who wants to wake up with voodoo drums this way and the tat-tat-tat of machine guns that way and you're sleeping in the middle of this mess? That's my life. But you see, when God sends you, he gives you the grace to walk through whatever it is that he presents you with. Now, if I was God, I would never have sent this little blonde woman from Missouri into a war zone full of snakes and horrible mosquitoes and bugs and, and rebels and just the awfulest stuff, diseases. But, you know, that was God's choice. And I said, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do because I'm a soldier. I don't have to look like a soldier. God looks on the heart. Dear ones, he does not look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And when he looked at me, he said, there's, there's my Brie. She's my strong ton of keys. See, that's what my name means. Brie means strong, and my name, my name K-E-Y, key, ton. So God told me, you are my strong ton of keys. I said, yes, sir. I didn't even know what he's talking about. I never thought about it. You know, whoa, that's my name. But see, God has given you a name, hasn't he? He's written you in the Lamb's book of life. And he wrote a destiny for you before you were. He knew you. And he called you to something greater than yourself. You have to get out of who you are and become who God called you to be. It does not matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter the circumstances of life. It matters that God is for you and therefore who can be against you. So when God calls you, he may set trials before you. There may be tests from God. Come on. Oh, I don't like that tough cookies. Who the Lord loves, he chastens. I'm quoting scripture now. Everyone the Father loves will be chastened time to time. I don't like that, Bree. I don't care. It's still the word. So there is a price to pay. If you want to go and serve the Lord, there is a price. And if you want to say yes, then you are accepting that price. Before the night is over, I will challenge you. I will challenge you. 
I will challenge you all night, but there'll be a final challenge. So get ready. Get ready. So what's happening to those dear little pygmies in the eastern part of the Congo? I have seven villages there, three in the Ebola region and four in the North Kivu region. A jihad surge came in and thousands and thousands of extreme jihad rebels started flooding in last spring. And they targeted my pygmies because they're Christians. And they started raping, beheading, murdering, and worst of all, eating the pygmies. They have no respect for anyone. And it took me a while, but I evacuated the seven villages several months to get them out. Many were murdered trying to escape, but they did escape. And the ones that lived are now living in fields under tarps, waiting for the hand of God to move. So I've been sending enough money to feed them and take care of them the last uh, four or five months since I moved them. Every month I have to come up with a very large amount to feed 10,000 pygmies squatting in a field. So I wanted you to hear that from my own lips. Babies, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas died in horrible ways before I was able to get them out and they died escaping and some are dying sitting in the fields of hunger as we're talking right now. But they're sending me videos when I send in the food and the money. Then they send videos and guess what the videos look like? Oh, oh, well, they're on the ground screaming and crying. I turn against God. Look what he did to me. Do you think that's what they're doing? Nope. I'm getting videos from these precious little people who were naked and lived in trees 14 years ago up to the present because we keep winning souls. You know what they're doing? They stood there in a row with all the food sacks and all the food that was bought for them and the supplies. And they sang hallelujah with their hands raised, praising the Lord. And they sang it through three times. And then... I have many scouts in there helping them and people to watch over them and everything. But <clears throat> then they said, thank you, Brie, thank you, Brie, thank you, Brie, three times. So they taught them the English words. And then they were weeping and praising the Lord. Then they sent me another video and they did the same thing, except they said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Three times because I sent the word. I didn't tell you this. I sent the word after that came the thank you, Brie. And I said, don't thank me. You thank the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your provider. Look to him. You see, most of them have memorized the New Testament. They can quote the whole thing. Can you? They listen to it every night around the campfire, a recording uh, on a little instrument called a proclaimer. It's New Testament. And they memorize the whole thing. So they're living by faith. So the next uh, video they sent me, it was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, we're always in a teaching mode, aren't we, dear ones? We want to raise people above who they are and lead them toward the Lord so they, th they can become who God called them to be. 
So I, I want to, Pastor, do you want to do something now or later? Now. Oh, you want me to do? Well, uh, what we're going to do is give you a chance to sow into this. I have to raise 9500 a month just for those pygmies to feed them so they won't starve to death in the field until I can find them land and build new villages for them and all. But they're out of the actual conflict zone right now. It's just that they're just squatting in fields. Some have drowned under the tarps I bought them because it was a rainy season. Horrible. See, these are people I led to the Lord. They're personal friends. I love them. They're my children. And they're your children too. We're all children of God. We're all one. I will tell you this little thing. It was uh, last uh, summer. A friend of mine called and he said that he had been translated to heaven. And he's been translated to heaven a number of times. But this time when he was translated to heaven... He was in the throne room, and when he arrived in heaven, pygmies ran out. They seemed to know that he was a very close friend of mine. And pygmies ran out and were hugging him, and they said, You tell Bree, thank her for giving us Jesus, because now we're here. Isn't that something? Wow. So I thought, Maybe we would take up an offering now and then we don't have to do it later because later we're going to do a lot of healing. We're going to do a lot of ministry and I don't want to interrupt that. But I think after the movie and all, it's a good time. What do you think? Okay, Pastor, what, how do you want to do it? I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> so what we're going to do here today, uh, and I just want to add to what uh, Dr. Brew is saying. Since we, when we participate in these things, obviously we can't go into a Congo, amen? But as you sow into the ministry here of Dr. Bree, and she takes the things that are necessary into the Congo to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ unto salvation, can somebody hear me tonight? You become partakers of those souls. I said you become partakers of those souls. Amen. And so what we want to do is give you an opportunity to today to go ahead and uh, make provisions or financial uh, provisions here to sow into the ministries of, of uh, Dr. Bree. Uh, Apostle Yvonne and I, we're, we're already sowing into that through Genesis and also in our, in our personal lives because we know the value of this. Come on. We know the value of what it is for a soul to come in the kingdom of God. So we want to just offer this to you so you can participate as well. So into this, we'll give you uh, maybe five minutes here. Go ahead. And how did you want to do this, uh, Dr. B? Do you have a website or if they're making a check? Yes. They can give through the website, which is worshipingwarriorsfellowship.com two P's and worshiping or they could make a check to worshiping warriors do you want them to give to you and then give to I me I think or? give to you it's better if they okay. give to you yeah. so worshipingwarriorsfellowship.com or WWF that's easier right WWF 
Usually they get a laugh about now. <laughs> you know they're WWE now. So I can be WWF. However, I must say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, um, do your contributions on that. If you want to put it in an envelope that's in the back of the chair, do that. Just make out your checks. Or you can do it online with, um, with the website there. Amen. We'll give you about five minutes here, and then we'll move on to the message that Bree has for us. I think I'll just talk to you while we're doing that, okay? I had a, a, a revelation from the Lord a long time ago because a lot of times in Africa, there is, uh, there's no food. It happens to us, actually. We'll be there sometimes and there is no food. I say to... My staff, I say, listen, we can't find any food today. So while we're going along in our land cruiser and our big truck with all the supplies we're taking to pygmies each time we go, I say, if you hear a pull over and buy that thing, <laughs> that'll be supper. So if we do, if we can find a chicken somewhere, We'll bring it home with us. We'll keep it. And we'll bring it home with us. And then <laughs> they'll cook it up. That chicken has to feed my whole staff that night. So a lot of times we have to pray to multiply food. Now if we're cooking a big pot of food. Because we're having a conference. And a lot of Africans are coming. There will never be enough food. But there is a great big God. Who is more than enough. Is that true? So we never look at the pot. We just, you know, Africans are really smart. If you're having a conference, they bring a bowl. They come ready. <laughs> they know foods are coming. So they'll, uh, they'll bring that bowl. And when you break for lunch, they'll line up and you'll have a pot of big pot of food that's been cooking all morning, you know. And so they'll come and they'll get their food. And man, there'll always be more of them than there is that pot of food. But we never look at the pot of food. We just keep dipping. <laughs> and God will just multiply. Because he's such a good God. And see, God is more than enough. He is El Shaddai. Do you actually believe that? I wonder sometimes if people actually believe. <laughs> they say they believe, but when the rubber meets the road, are you able to make that kind of stand? So I want to start tonight by telling you this revelation, which I promised last night I would. All right, so <clears throat> when you think about the multiplication you can think about how Jesus said to his disciples, 5,000 hungry people, right? He said, what have you got? What have you got? 
How many gave tonight? Did you give something? Did you just toss it in? No, don't ever do that. You're sowing into good ground. You can expect a harvest. Never just toss them in. Pray over that. God, and lay your hands on it. God, I am sowing this. And I have the expectation that when I sow, I will reap because I'm a good farmer. You don't know this, but I am a farmer. I have an organic farm back in Missouri. We have orchards and gardens and bees and a pond and fish. and We have all kinds of stuff. But the point is here, never give away everything. Keep something to multiply. So here's this little boy, and he has this little boy's lunch. We picture loaves like our loaves of bread we have now. That word loaves, I mean, it was just like a little donut. I mean, it was just like a little muffin. He might have had five loaves, but they were little. This makes the miracle bigger than we've even envisioned. It wouldn't matter. It's still a big deal to take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000. But God said, through Jesus, what have you got? What have you got? And so, the little boy sowed that. You think he got a good meal anyway? You think that little boy went hungry? Uh, no. He got a lot of food. And there was food left over. Amen? So I want to tell you, the days are coming. You may not believe me, but when it comes to pass, you'll remember I said to you, the days are coming when there won't be anything. But keep something to pray over to multiply. That's a word God gave me. Remember, keep something to pray over to multiply. Even if it's just a little boy's lunch. Keep something. Are you with me? So I was thinking about the woman who was the widow. I'm not sure I turned to the right one. Let's see. Well, I was thinking about the woman that was the widow. And the, the creditors were going to come and take her sons. What did Elijah say? What have you got? What have you got? He didn't say, oh, woe is me. I'm so sorry for you. Let me pray for you, honey. Be you warmed and filled. Now go away and leave me alone. He didn't do that. He said, what have you got? Are you getting this yet? She said, well, I just have this little container of oil. He said, okay. Go and gather all the pots from the, all the neighbors and shut yourself in and start to pour. Stand up. Everybody stand up. Come on, quick. Come on. All right. I want you to understand that God sent manna from heaven to feed the Israelites in the desert. God sent manna from heaven. Right? 
And on Friday, which was the Sabbath at sundown, he said, gather double. Come on. So let's consider this a Sabbath. I want you to reach up and receive what God has for you. Manna from heaven. Take it now. Take it. This is by faith. God, I receive your manna, your provision. I receive the food I need from heaven. Lord, you have meat to eat the world knows not of. And we accept this provision right now. Just take it. Take it. Lord, we call this down by faith right now from the room of Jehovah Jireh in heaven and from the room of El Shaddai in heaven. We receive the provision. Now, I want you to, to say, I gave tonight and I expect to receive a harvest. Because I'm a giver, I will receive that which I need. Now take it. Access it from heaven. Go ahead. Access what you need. Your right as a giver gives you the right to access. If you are not a giver, that's a mistake. Because you have to give to receive. But you give hilariously. You give joyfully. And then God provides for you. If you have a need, give. This is a principle of the word. There was a great need that day. 5,000 people were hungry. The little boy gave all he had in the world, and God multiplied it for everybody. And that's what you just did. Let's think about that. Now go ahead and receive. Are you getting this? Yes? Oh, I don't think you're getting that. Are you getting it? Access the provision right now. We're in the end of days. These are principles you've got to get now while you can, while it is the day. So, have you got it? All right. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor. Whoever's next to you, that's your new neighbor. And say, come on, take, you've got the perfect, take the provision you just accessed and give it to your neighbor. Go ahead, give it. Give it to her. Good. Find a person, hunt them down if you have to. Did you find somebody? All right, give it away. Give it all away. Wait a minute. That isn't what I told you. Hold something to multiply. Now turn to the person and say, I'm glad I gave you my stuff. But I held a little bit. And I'm going to pray over it now. Because as a giver, I want to multiply. So I can keep being a giver. And provide for my own family. In the name of Jesus. Father God. 
multiply what I have so I can give. Okay? Now watch God multiply. Because he is Jehovah Jireh. Because he is El Shaddai. He is more than enough. Woo! Amen. Okay, now that you have multiplied, <laughs> turn around to a different person. Find a different person. They don't have to be your buddy. Okay. Uh, who doesn't have somebody? Raise your hand. Who doesn't have a different person? Okay, she does not. Why don't you work with her? And why don't you work with her? Okay, and she work with him. Come on. You can have three if, if, if you can't do it any other way. You can have it. All right, now I want you to take that multiplication, and I want you to take a great big gob of it, and I want you to hand it to that person. All right, take it now. Say thank you. Thank you for, your, for the provision you gave me. And now I'm going to take that and I'm going to pray over it. And I'm going to multiply it. Okay, go ahead and do that. Pray over it and multiply it. Okay, look what God did. Now he multiplied that. Now go to, okay, I could do this to infinity. You can be, you can be seated now. Did you get this or not? Yes. Okay, this is very simple. Very simple. Now, I'm a giver. Oh my gosh, I'm a giver. I love to give. So, um, I've been this way my whole life. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't wait for Christmas because I would just uh, save and save and save my money. And then I'd buy presents for everybody. Even when I was a little bitty girl, I'd save my allowance and I would buy all these presents and I couldn't wait to give those presents away. And I'm still that way. I just love to give. So when it comes to pygmies, when I raise all this money, I take it over there and I give 10, between, between 10 and $15,000 worth of gifts to every tribe every time I go. And I'll see at least three tribes on every trip. So let's think about that. God has to do a lot of multiplication to make this happen. Do you see that? And so I can announce to you, and it's the truth. I am a giver. Not a little bit. I'm a big giver. Say, I'm a big giver. From this day forward, God will multiply seed. To this sower. Woohoo! Amen. So the pygmies who have absolutely nothing, now that they get hundredfold harvests, they've become big givers. Is this great? They have more than enough. Because God has blessed them because they sow in hope. They sow by faith. And then they reap big harvests. Oh, yes. I might have a picture. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, it's in there. I know it's in there. I don't have time to hunt it down, though. And that's that. I thought I had my harvest picture. I don't. All right, I have a picture of a magnificent harvest. After the pygmies went through an epidemic. Now, there are epidemics that happen all the time in the Congo. This is where Ebola first broke out in the Ebola region. And I have a lot of wonderful pygmies there. But uh, they've gone through, since I went there, we've had Ebola break out five times. Did you know it's been like 85 outbreaks worldwide since 76 when Ebola first broke out? in the Ebola region of the Congo. Ebola is 90% death rate. COVID is 0.002 death rate. You see the difference? But we, we've learned how to overcome. We've learned how to overcome. And we go in and we overcome Ebola and everybody lives. See? That's a miracle. It's impossible. But with God... All things are possible to him that believes. So I got a phone call. I was uh, in Kansas City where I live, and I got a phone call. Oh, no, no, it was one of my pastors that I had over the Ebola region. And uh, he says, oh, an epidemic is broken out. People are dying. Help. And he hung up on me. <laughs> I didn't even get to find out what the epidemic was. It could be anything. So we raced over there and got the team together and uh, went in there. And I, we bought a lot of stuff for them. And I said, now, if we pull into the village and everybody's dead on the ground or there's just bones, just back out and we'll go to the next village. There's three villages in that area. So we pulled into the village and all, all the pygmies ran out to greet me. Oh, they want a hug, and oh, it's great. And finally, they had to dance. Oh, yes. Pygmies have to dance, and they have to sing. So it was three hours later, and I said, stop, stop. Where is this epidemic? We came all the way around the world. Oh, this is what they do. Can you do that? Oh. So I said, what, what? They said, Dr. Bree. It was horrible. I said, yes, all right. What happened? Well, some pygmies came into the village uh, after you left, and they weren't deep in the word like us. They'd been saved about two years, you know. I said, okay. They said, well, they said, we have to run into the jungle or we're all going to die. And I told him, now this is the chief, he says, I told them, we will keep our word to God and we will keep our word to Dr. Bree and we will stay behind the bloodline of Jesus and Jesus will protect us from Ebola, which is what it was, Ebola. And he said, Dr. Bree, they all went, ran into the jungle because they didn't believe. And he, she, he said, they all died. But we stayed here behind the bloodline of Jesus and we trusted the Lord and we all lived. Now you should know before I go one more word into this, this is my favorite little chief I'm talking about. This is him. He's the best one out of 80,000 pygmies. He's a giver. You understand when you're a giver... 
you can expect miracles. You can expect provision. You can expect healing. Because being a giver has perks. Come on. I want the perks. Can you say that? Okay, be a giver. So he's the only pygmy out of 80,000 that ever gave me a gift. He's the only one. And I love him the best. Not just because he gave me a gift, because of his heart. See, he had the heart of gold. I said, oh, I've been looking for a heart of gold. And he had it. So he, over time, became a leader over the whole region of the world. The whole region he lived in. All the big Africans who hate pygmies love him. He's like a Solomon. He's a prophet, seer. Oh, yeah, he's a seer. And so he's, he gets hundredfold harvest. Ha! Who wants that? What? Amen. Be a giver. See, he's given me a gift right there. He's the only one that ever gave me a gift. I knew he was the best one. And I thought, this he will go so far. And sure enough, I've, I've sent out newsletters with pictures of him. He's like this tall, and all the leaders are standing next to him. He's here in the middle, and they're here. And they all consult him because, he, you know, it's like uh, they'll bring their problems to him, and he'll sit there, and he'll say, God, what's the answer? And he'll give it to him. and oh, he's so wise. But it's all God. And that's something. But it all started with the idea that he was a giver. And out of that came all the great things that he has done for the Lord. And he and his tribe, they named their village Bree Village. And I tell you, he's something else. So now, uh, they all had to flee. Now, he's among those that flee. And I saw the pictures and he's in there with his tribe. He lived. And he, his group is prospering because they're calling down manna from heaven. Jesus. Baby, this is big. So you can expect a miracle from time to time. And so miracles we see. We see a lot of miracles. And so dead raisins, I won't call them common. It's, it isn't common. It's just normal. Huh? It's not like a big shock. <gasps> Let's put it in the newspaper. No, it happens all the time. It's just not unusual. Pygmies now raise the dead. Pygmies now heal the sick. Pygmies are walking in all the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. So can you. Why don't you get with this program? <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. You'll love it. All right, so... I want to, uh, I want to, I want to say that that widow with that little cruise of oil, after she poured and poured and poured, and filled up all the vessels, she went and sold it all, paid the debts, and she and her two sons were able to live the rest of their lives on that. But she took, she had something to start with. She had something to multiply. Amen. 
this has gone on longer than I had planned. But I want to tell you, this is, don't you think this is an important principle? Why stop there? All right. I, I arrived, uh, this was in the northwest of the Congo. Those pygmies up there are far more dangerous than pygmies in other parts of the Congo. The Congo is a vast, vast place. But up there, they've been persecuted more and abused more by the rebels and the, um, the jihadists. So they're afraid. And fear has messed with their heads. So they, they riot and they're dangerous. They're more dangerous than the other pygmies. So we have to have a lot more scouts holding them back up there. But on a certain day, and I'm going to make this a short story, not the long story, but in my book it's called The Long Day. I'm only going to tell one section of it. When we arrived after enormous trauma getting there and nearly dying several times, our whole group arrived with a big truck full of stuff. There were supposed to be 2,000 pygmies there. But because we were delayed and delayed, there were 3,000. So we took enough for 2,000. I'm talking about food, clothes, machetes, and salt. That's what we were taking for 2,000 people. So now <clears throat> we hiked down into the jungle about five miles in because they were down there waiting for us. And word had gotten around. And so uh, what you saw there, remember where I'm up on a bale of clothes there and I was preaching the gospel with my two interpreters in the film? You saw that? That's the very day that I'm talking about. Now, when I finished preaching the gospel and teaching them all to sing hallelujah, and the final thing I always say is, I'm going to hand you things, and I want the men lined up, the women lined up, and the children corralled over here, and we're going to give you lots of gifts. And so, but say Asante Yesu, which means thank you, Jesus. Don't thank me. You're going to thank Jesus because you're going to put your faith in him. You're not going to look to me. You're going to look to him. So we start right off. They're barely saved. And we start right off teaching them, thank you, Jesus. Why don't all of you say, thank you, Jesus, for this life and for provision and for the food I ate today, for the roof over my head. Thank you, Jesus, for the transportation to get here. Thank you, Jesus, for this precious life. Let me use it to honor you all my days that I may dwell in your house forever. So you know what you saw, a little snippet of me preaching the gospel to them. When it was over, I came down off the bale of clothes and I grabbed up a big armful of machetes. They were lining the men up. I was going to give each man a machete and a pair of jeans. So I had scouts lined up over there preparing everything and gathering up the jeans. So I began a very slow walk over to the men. This is the first group we were going to give stuff to. And I'm walking very slow. And here's what I said. Lord. Now, let me tell you, in the jungle, not like here. If you don't have enough for everybody, they kill you. Nice, right? That's it. 
The smallest thing can set them off. You can die in a second. The rebels can hear that you're there. And hundreds of them will come marching with their machine guns to shoot everybody. I mean, a lot of things can happen in the jungle. One time, I was up preaching the gospel to pygmies and a black mamba, which are the deadliest snakes on earth, the fastest, the deadliest, and the smartest snakes on earth. And they hunt humans. They're nasty snakes, and they're a plague in the Congo. One came right for me. So I'm going to tell you, a lot of things can happen in the jungle. But I picked that up, and I started, and here's what I said. Lord, you know me. You know me. Now see, if you can say that, you're saying something. Does God know you? Does he know you? See, there's an intimacy that comes from spending time with him. There's a friendship and there's a love. And there's a passion that grows and grows over time. Spending time with him. Does he know you? Or do you get in your prayer closet and start the gimme's? Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Amen. Back to the TV. See, we don't get in there with the gimmies. He already knows what you need before you ask. He knows you. That's intimacy. Spending time. Oh, it's joyful. So that's what I said. Because he does know me. And I said, God, you know me. I'm a giver. Are you a giver? Are you a giver? Don't lie to the Holy Ghost. No use. He knows you. Are you a giver? Because God looks on the heart. This is a message to help you. I'm trying to help you. We're going into the end of days. You've got to understand these things in order to survive. Are you a giver? Can you say, God, you know me. I'm a giver. Because it could save your life. So I said these words, God, you know me. And I'm holding a big armful of machetes. I'm a giver. And I'm walking over. But I know the God. I know the God who is more than enough. I know the God who multiplies seed to the. Are you? Are, did you go to sleep? Who multiplies seed to the. See? The sower. You want to be multiplied? Give. And I said, God, multiply seed to this sower today. Amen. That was a short prayer. 
I know I made it sound long, but it was real short. And I got to the men. I had a big armful. My scouts are lined up here holding jeans in their hands. They're more bulky. And so the first man, I said, here's your machete. He goes, Asante Yesu. He hands him jeans. Next. Here's your machete. Here's your jeans. He says, Asante Yesu. And it went on and on. And after a little while, I noticed that my arms were getting heavier, not lighter. And I looked down, and I've got twice as many machetes in my arms as I carried over there. I thought, cool. So I just started going fast. Hurry up. But, you know, it got heavier and heavier. I had to get my scouts, scouts, and I handed them machetes. Now they're unsaved. They haven't been saved yet. They'll get saved by the end of this trip, but they're not yet saved. We just hire them to protect us and help us. And I'm handing machetes to them. It's multiplying in their hands. When we got done, there were piles of stuff on the ground left over. More. More. Say more. more. Than enough. Wow, we have a big God. He wasn't going to let us die in that jungle. Amen. So you can expect God to send his mighty angels to work with you who are heirs of salvation to protect you, watch over you, care for you, uh, keep you from harm. Come on. Who believes angels are here right now? That was an amazing day. There's a lot more to that story. But I'm here to tell you that God is alive and he is ready to help you right now today. If you're a giver, he can, ex he can move in your life so much easier because he knows your heart. See, this is why I, I fell in love with this little pygmy, this little special man. Everybody hates pygmies. They're the most hated people on the planet. They are truly the least of these people think they're animals. And then it's okay to eat them. It's not okay with me. And clearly not okay with God or he wouldn't have sent me in there. Why did he choose me? Because I'll go. Why did he choose me? I'm a giver. And he knew I wouldn't hoard. He knew I would give. Because I'm not laying up treasure on earth. I know plenty of people that are. I'm not. I'm laying up treasure in heaven. Where it actually will have a difference. This life is but a moment. Eternity is forever. Be a sower. Be a giver. Expect a miracle. Expect your healing. Expect your deliverance. Expect your salvation. Expect. Expect. But first, be a person who needs... No, okay. <clears throat> but first, be a giver. Well, well. All right. I see what happens. I come in with these plans 
And God, God just takes it another way. I just think I have to read something else to you now. And that's provided I can find it. You see, my pages all stick together because I took this Bible into the jungle one time. And now it all sticks together. How many think that David was a giver? King David. Do you, know, do you understand what a giver he was? God saw the heart of David. David couldn't wait to build a tabernacle for the Lord. He, oh, he started, listen to this. He started laying up treasure to build a tabernacle for the Lord a long time before he, he asked God to build him a tabernacle because he had it in his heart to do it. And so he laid up all this treasure. Now his son Solomon's the one that got to build it, but David laid up the treasure for it. How about that? Because he wanted so much to do something for the Lord. Is this awesome? I love it. David had a heart of gold. It's why I love that one pygmy more than all the others. Because he's got a heart of gold. He's a giver. He's a lover. He's in love with Jesus. And the spirit of the Lord flows through him through prophecy. And, and people are just drawn to him. People who hate pygmies are drawn to him. Isn't that great? They see his hundredfold harvest. They come stomping in town to his little village intending to kill him and take the stuff. And he'll come out and he'll say, how many of you lived through the epidemic? They'll say, oh, everybody died. Well, how was your harvest this year? Well, we didn't get a harvest. What do you mean? He said, look around you. I got a hundredfold harvest. And they look around and he says, don't you want my God? And he'll lead all the people that came to kill him to Jesus. And then he'll give them stuff. Hey, take this, take this. He knows the truth. God will multiply back to him as he gives. He learned the lesson, did you? This is a little pygmy who lived in a tree and was wearing a grass skirt when I met him. And now he's a mighty man, a leader among men. He's something before the throne of God. And yet if you come up and say, are, are you the, are, somebody will come, are you the chief? Oh, no, no, no. He's just really humble. He's not trying to be something. He is something. Come on. So now, since I can't find what I was looking for, I will tell you, the Bible says in the last day, you'll be able to have more than enough. You'll be able to walk in the more than enough. And he says, you will be able to buy without money and purchase without price. So it says that in the Psalms. How many believe the Psalms? You see, David, that's how I got off on David. David wrote them, but he wrote them by the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, moving through the man you know as David, well... God, God said, you're a man after my own heart. Isn't that great? 
Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence, and the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. How many are having trouble with someone right now? Someone that's coming against you in your job, in your life, in your home? Raise your hands. That's quite a few of you. I want to read you something out of Psalm 35. This is the Psalm 35 that you want to use when, when the strife of men is coming against you and you need to make a stand. So here it is. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. And you can call upon this scripture. You can call upon the whole thing. You can read it out loud, crying out to God in your behalf, especially if you have a relationship with the Lord, because that's where it all begins. How many have understood that so far from what I've said? The relationship with God is the key to everything, every single thing. So uh, here's another one, Psalm 59. Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. How many know a lot of stuff's happening in our world right now? Every day I'm reading about things. But you see, we, we have the God who is more than enough. If you're in good standing with God, you can expect him to act on your behalf. Amen. This is all very important. It all dovetails together. He knows. It all dovetails together. So now, the root of a giver is their heart is of gold. Their heart is uh, toward the Lord. If your heart is toward the Lord, you can cry out, Save me, O God, for the waters are come up into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Listen. One time, I was in the deep Amazon rainforest, and we were walking on logs that were kind of slick to get to a certain village. And I was trying, I was trying my best, but you try walking on a slick log and deep river mud on either side of you. Big, gushy, awful, stinky river mud. Smells like poop. It is awful. And so I'm walking along trying to not fall in. And my son Dylan was running ahead with a big generator on his back. And he was just doing great, you know. But I'm back there going, oh, and I fell in. But I didn't just fall in. I fell into quicksand. People say, oh, it's a myth. It isn't. There's a real thing. It's quicksand. It's not cute. It's not fun. It's not a joke. So I started going down because they say, now, don't fight. Don't fight. But you can't help it. You, you, ah, you, so I started shouting, Jesus, Dylan, Jesus, Dylan. And finally he heard me. He was running on the logs to get to the village. You were going to preach the gospel up there and do a musical with the generator. 
He finally heard me and turned around and he came back to rescue me. And he saw I was almost under, just my hands and my face was above. And so he reached down. Now he's a big generator on his back. Well, he is 6'4". He is a big guy. But still, that's a lot. So he reaches down for me, gets a hold of my hands, and pulls me up out of that. <laughs> and sets me on the log. Now I'm covered in stinky, poopy, smelling river mud. And I'm supposed to go meet all these Indians who <laughs> have come to Jesus' message smelling like that. So I says, okay, back down to the Amazon. We'll wash in the water with the piranhas and the anacondas and the alligators. This will be fun. So we went down there, washed off and everything, put the clothes back on, soaking wet. This time, he walked in front of me, and I held his shoulder, and we just went like this. So I was just thinking, what is it like to have Jesus? To have Jesus where you won't fall in, you know. You won't fall into that mire. You won't fall into that muck. Wouldn't it be great? And I got to thinking, I do have Jesus. I don't ever have to fall in again. Angels have been given charge over me to keep me in all my ways. And they shall bear me up. You know I've never fallen again. And we have to cross logs over rivers all the time. River down there full of crocodiles. I have a photograph in here somewhere. I don't have time to find it. But it's a picture. There's a log you've got to cross. A bouncy one, by the way. And down below is a river full of crocodiles. Now, you can't see them. They're under the bushes and stuff, little ones and big ones, but they are there. And if you fall in, it will not be a good day for you. So you need to figure out how to get across there, even if you don't have really good balance. How are you going to get across that log? I'm going to tell you, he has given. See, if you're in trouble and you need help and you think you're going to sink, you're going to fall, you're going to drown, you're going to be sucked under, there's people in here that feel that way. You came in here tonight desperate. You need a touch from God. I'm telling you, he says in his word, he has given his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your feet against a stone. In Africa, I can't tell you how many times we have to cross rivers with big trucks full of heavy stuff, and we're always in a land cruiser. And we're going to cross with these horrible logs. It's nothing more than termites holding hands. I mean, it's bad. And we're trying to get across with this heavy stuff. Oh, baby, we're going to pray. Oh, Jesus, you said in your word. <laughs> and we're going to quote the word. We're going to stand on the word. It's the only reason we're alive. Every day is a challenge. Every day. He who walks by faith will triumph. Come on. Greater is he who lives in me than he that is in the world. Either God's word is true or it is not. What do you believe? I think you're mighty quiet. 
I'm wondering if you went into a coma. Huh? Uh, not yet. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Oh. Now, I think we'll, uh, we're going to move on to Daniel because I don't want to miss out on, on this tonight. If you want to look at Daniel, you can if you have your Bible with you. And we're going to look at Daniel. I love Ezekiel. Do you guys love Ezekiel? So, Daniel chapter 3. I am dangerously close. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Okay. 788. Do you guys love your Bible? I love my Bible so much. I don't ever want to read any other, anybody else's Bible. I'm so... I know where everything is. All right, so we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3. And I wanted to, um, to tell you that four of the bravest men there's ever been is Daniel... And his three brothers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you know they were brothers? They were brothers of the king of Judah. And when they were attacked by Nebuchadnezzar, he always would go in and he would drag off the sons of the king because they were educated. And uh, he would castrate them so they couldn't reproduce. And then he would put them in positions... Uh, after he brainwashed them and all, he put them in positions of power. But he'd kill a lot of the people. So he, he went in and he killed a lot of the Judeans. But he saved the, the sons of the king and took them to Babylon. So now, if you understand that back in that day, it was a shame to the women, if a woman was barren, it was a shame. And the woman would hang her head and woe is me and scream and cry. And it was terrible. And everybody would put a stigma on her because she was barren. So there are a lot of stories in the Bible about the women that cried out to God. And then, you know, he gave them a child. And One of those would be Sarah. But there were many. So here's these men, sons of the king. They can never reproduce because the king has rendered them sterile. So they could lay around and be grieved. Oh, look what life dealt me. It's so terrible. Woe is me. I'll never have a son to carry on my name. And so, you see, this would be a terrible thing, wouldn't it? It would be a tragedy, yes? But... I tell you that God can take lemons and make lemonade. Can you? You can make a victory out of a tragedy. You can. So here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar makes Daniel number two in the kingdom. He lifts Daniel to such a place of authority that Daniel can say anything and it has to be done. And Daniel was a mighty man of God. He never, ever, ever backed down. Even when they said, we're, we're going to kill you if you're caught praying in public. So he just 
went up in his room, opened the windows and started praying. He, he wasn't afraid. He made his stand for the Lord. And I wonder, is anyone in this room ready to make your stand for the Lord? Because this is the end of days. The persecution of Christians has already begun. In the schools. In government. Ridiculed. Christians get fired because they're Christians. From their jobs. If you're caught with a Bible in a public school. This actually happened to me. I had... A Christian book in a public school. And they tried everything in their power to fire me. I was a teacher one time. And so I told them, you can't fire me because I have the right to have this book. Well, yes, but you told that girl. Blah, 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 blah. I said, I had the legal right to answer her questions. And you can speak to my lawyer. Because if she asks me a question, I have the legal right under the law, to answer it. Yes? See? Because people don't even know their rights. But they had to keep me. They had to keep me. Then God said, ah, oh, just get out of there. I got a better thing for you anyway. So I'd, I quit. So here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to make the whole nation. I want you to think about America. I don't even want you to think about ancient Babylon. I want you to hear that through the lens of America in 2023, which I told last night is the year of the Gimel. Gimel is three. It's the third letter in the Hebrew alphabet. This is 2023, and Gimel stands for repentance and restoration. First we repent, then we're restored. Amen? Then revival. So this is important. The king made an image of gold, and down here it says, uh, he, when the herald cries aloud, you're commanded that you'll fall down and worship the image. So he had it set up, and they got all the instruments, and they did it, and they blew everything, and all these people fell down and worshipped this golden idol. Now in America, there are all kinds of people falling down. America is very idolatrous. Maybe you don't believe it, but it is. It's one of the most idolatrous nations. It's just awful. All the things we worship instead of the one true God. Right now, they want you to worship communism. Come on. They're spreading it every possible way they can. The communist is a person that has no God. They're essentially an atheist. But they make God, communism, their God. So communism is without a God. Now, if you want that, go ahead and lay down and tolerate it, Christians. But if you want to be a real Christian, you're going to have to make a stand sometime. Before it is too late. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, brothers of Daniel, refused to bow down to the statue, a golden idol. You see, they worshiped the one true God, Jehovah. They did not worship any other God. They refused, which means they're going to pay with their lives. But they said to Nebuchadnezzar, uh, 
O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. How about that? That's a faith statement, isn't it? So you see, you, the people that are cowering before these wicked ones that want you to renounce your faith, they're bullies. Think of bullies on a playground. If you let the bully bully you, oh, well, you'll pay the price. Or you can stand up. You might get a black eye, but you'll make a difference. It's important to make your stand for Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Come on. Hmm. That was three of you clapping. I would have liked to see everyone. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When they refused, last night we talked about the, the spirit of rage and fury, uh, which, is, which are evil spirits that enter into people through sin. They enter in through sin. And, and so when you have an open door, you can be a rageaholic. Then the cortisol drip begins in your body. That rage, it doesn't leave your body for a long time. With women, it's 48 hours. Of cortisol drip, which causes diseases and cancers. It eats up your body. So you need to get rid of this stuff. We need to overcome this stuff. We need to refuse to be enraged. We make a stand. And I also wanted to say, after they released Jezebel and Leviathan, they have recently released, well, they released the spirit of division to divide us one from another. Would you agree with that? Here in America, we were all getting along and things were getting better. And now they've lied and they've turned one against another. This is the way it is. And then they released the spirit of chaos. The spirit of chaos. This is what the Lord showed me. And he told me to tell you that chaos has been released. You know, the, the religion that we have is, is a true, the one true religion. And it isn't about chaos. It's about uh, consistent faith, isn't it? It's about uh, standing and having done all to stand, stand. So our religion keeps us in a state of peace. So we don't get all tied up in knots with rage and angst and sin and all these things. This keeps us healthy. But what they want is chaos. Because in the in the midst of chaos, if you look on your dollar bill, it, it says Novus Ordo Seclorum, out of chaos order. They've been planning this for a couple of generations or more. Right on your dollar bill, baby. Take a look. Don't think they haven't been planning this. They have. So they've released this spirit over the nation. Now Nebuchadnezzar, he... Is in it says Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. This is verse 19. And the form of his visage was changed. 
So his face became contorted with rage because they wouldn't bow down to his false idol. Do you think this could happen in America? Anybody? Raise your hand if you think this is what they're planning. They have a God for you to bow down to, but it's not our God. And if you won't, don't you think they're going to... See, this is a type and shadow here. Daniel's a type and shadow of the things we're living right now. Anybody that's studied Revelation knows I'm telling you the truth. This is a type and shadow. All right? So let's read some more. Heat the furnace seven times more. Okay, so now they're going to bind them and throw them into the fire. Because the king's commandment and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in and the people that threw them in died. That's how hot it was. This is something. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Here's what I have to say to you. When they throw you in the fiery furnace, whatever that means, the fourth man, who's that? He'll be with you every step of the way. You need never fear in, a, in the world today because not only will the angels have charge over you, not only that, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, will be right by your side every single step of the way. Come on! This is good news. This is the truth. See, I was in the jungle and I could have died that day. You don't know how close we were. If God had not stepped forward and multiplied that stuff, I would, I, my son, Dylan, who many of you met, and all my beloved teammates would all be dead. In the jungle, lost, nobody would have ever heard of us again. But God. Hallelujah. Who is greater in me than he that is in the world. You either believe it or you don't because this is the end of days. And we're going to be walking through these very things. Don't think we won't. Every military base in America has a guillotine right now. I started seeing visions in 1995 and I've been seeing them ever since of the end of days. And one of the recurring visions, I have dreams about it. I've had visions, not every second of every day, but I have them in a recurring manner. And the dream is this. There is a long line of Christians. And to the side is a table, and there are two people sitting there, and they're calling out to the Christians in this line. Get out of the line. You don't have to die. Just come over here and take the mark. You, you, then you can eat and you can buy and sell. And they're calling to the Christians in this line. At the end of the line is a guillotine. And people are being beheaded one by one. And so some of the Christians actually in my 
dream and in my vision get out of the line. And they take the mark. Will that be you? You see, you need to understand the fourth man is with us. We need never fear. Even if you get your head cut off, you'll be instantly with the Lord. The greatest crown in heaven is the martyr's crown. God talks about it. They'll be under the throne crying out, when will you avenge us, O Lord? He will. You understand? Fear not. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you to the end. And so you need never fear. Now, so, they, uh, so he sees the fourth man. Imagine this wicked king sees the fourth man, Jesus. Woohoo! Pre-incarnate Jesus, but it's still the Son of God right in there. Okay, so he, he comes near and, and he, oh, he says, how is it that, that, that their bodies no fire, not a hair on their head sins, their coats not changed, nor the smell of fire on their bodies? And so down here, they say, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies. Oh. You see, because they laid their lives down for this cause, God raised them up. It said, it, it says they yielded their bodies to the fire and God saved them. Come on. Oh, there's going to be so many miracles in this last days. There's an army rising up. There's an army of worshipers rising up and they'll be overcomers and they'll show the world what a real Christian looks like in these last days. They'll walk through the fire and they won't be burned. They'll walk through the waters and they will not drown. They'll hold the banner of the Lord high before a wicked world. And there'll be many that will convert because of their courage. You see, it takes courage to serve the Lord God. It took, took courage to go into the den of lions. But Daniel did it. And God shut their mouths. No harm came to Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, he came and he says, Daniel, are you still alive? Oh, yes. I'm fine. <laughs> Look, I'm here petting this lion. It's all, it's all great. They're just purring down here. It's just, I think I'll just stay. Let's, let's have a spa. Let's make it a spa. Well, listen. So, you know, that, that was amazing right there. But these were men of courage. You see, they could have given up everything. I, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. All of them could have bowed their knee, but they did not. And I'm telling you this because I don't want you to ever bow your knee to the idols of this world. And I don't want anybody in this room to ever take the mark. I don't care what the debate is, all oh, the marks this, all oh, the marks that. I don't care. I care about you. And I don't want you to ever submit to that. If you take that mark, you're dead. Not dead 
physically and immediately, you are dead. The deal, dead. Dead, dead. Because there's physical death and then there's spiritual death. And this is a serious thing to God. I've heard people say, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll take it and then I'll just remove it. Too late. You make that choice, you're done. You're done. So don't make that choice. I know there's all kinds of people. I was one of them way back before I was saved. I thought, you know, I can just party and I can do all this stuff and I can have a good time and then right there before I'm going to die, I'll just, I'll just convert and I'll repent. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I know a lot of sinners believe exactly what I just said. There are deathbed conversions. I led my mother-in-law to Jesus as she was dying and in a coma. But she came to enough to respond. She got saved. And two hours later, three hours, she's gone. But she's in heaven. She squeaked in. But don't do that. Don't do that. That's a terrible way to live. We need to live for Jesus now so that, you know, there'll be crowns and rewards. Don't you want that too? It's not a shameful thing to want rewards and crowns. Come on. Let your good works go before you into heaven. Who knows who Henry Groover is? Anybody ever heard of Henry Groover? He's a great man of God and a, and a friend of mine and a mentor. He was a prayer walker. He walked all over the world. Kings knew Henry. Presidents knew Henry. I'm surprised not a one of you knows Henry Groover. He died about three years ago. But he walked all the streets of cities all over the world and things would be transformed as he would pray and walk and do whatever God told him to do. He had a lot of miracles happen. Mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. Going to pick a mentor, pick somebody like that. So Henry... Henry said uh, he, he actually died, and he was d dead for six hours, and his wife and daughter prayed him back and raised him from the dead. And he saw, he, there's, he had a video called Six Hours in Heaven. And uh, he was walking around in heaven, you know, dead. And he said the flowers were singing. And uh, when he stepped on the grass, they said, oh, it's an honor. Uh, it's an honor to be near a son of God, you know. And so even the grass and the flowers. And he said he saw this man and he had this long white robe on. And he said he, he came up and he was walking behind the man. And every good work the man ever did was written on this robe. And he was walking, trying to read it all as fast as he could before they brought him back. Isn't that something? Every good thing you ever do is recorded in heaven. Isn't that something? God is keeping books. If you don't believe me, look at Malachi 3. talks about the books he's keeping on us. Isn't that wonderful? So do more good works is what I have to say. Do more cool stuff for the Lord. It does matter. No, 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 no. The fire had no power on these sons of God here. And if you're a believer, if you'll stand, if you'll stand, it'll have no power over you. I know what I'm talking about. 
There was another great man of God. Oh, well, I'll tell you this story. You'll love it. This happened about three or four years ago. We were going through the jungle. We had to go across and down a mountain and across Shortfield, and there was a river. We were going to cross the river, go up the mountain, and pygmies were over here. So we had gotten to the bottom of the mountain, me and my team, and we were headed for the river, and we had just about gotten to the river, and all of a sudden there was a bunch of screaming up at the top of the mountain, and screaming and hollering and guns. And there were about 200 or so, I, I don't know, a lot of people coming down the mountain with machine guns and machetes, screaming. And they were ran through the jungle and came down the mountain to kill us. And so I turned around and I saw this and Enoch, my head, head interpreter, and Hebrew, my head scout, and then the rest of the people turned around and they said, we'll protect you. You go ahead and cross the river and we'll make our stand right here. I said, no, I'll protect you. Well, they know me. They know I'll do it too. I'll do it in the name of Jesus. So now here comes all these men to kill us. And I began to shout scriptures and they lined up, fanned out on either side of me my team, and I began to scream scriptures. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And all the scriptures I could think of. And then the final one I screamed because I looked and I saw, and I said, there's more with us than there are with them. Yeah. And they stopped, all of them stopped and started screaming. And they turned around and ran back up the mountain. So then I said to the team, they said, why did they do that? I said, turn and look. And there were angels all over in full battle dress, shining in their bright lights. And all these men running up the hill in fear of the army they saw standing there. There were only like 10 of us. You see, greater is he who lives in you than he that is in the world. There is nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. Walk not in fear, but walk by faith because the power of faith is greater than the power of fear. This wicked world wants you to be in fear because they know they can defeat you if you walk in fear. But if you walk in faith, they will turn and run. They will fear you. Which will you choose to be this day? The faithful or the faithless? Which one will you be? Mighty warriors dressed for battle or wimps riding a fence Milk toast that he spews out of his mouth because it's filthy to him. If you do not choose faith today, something's wrong with you. And you need to repent. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it's closer than you think. We need to make our stand as an army of the Lord, not divided, but strong. In the unity, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is the way Christians act. 
When Christians start fighting each other, they're already defeated. God said, be ye one. As I am one in the Father, and the Father is one in me, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. We're after the lost, you see. We're after those who do not know the Lord. We're after those who are broken, downtrodden, and crushed by life. And we can go and reach a hand down to them as they're going under in the quicksand of life and the stench of sin. And we can pull them up out of that and take them down to the river and we can wash them off and cover them in the blood of the Lamb. And we can win them to Jesus. But we need to show the world what a real Christian looks like. We need to show the world by our good works, by our example. We need to take back the land the devil has stolen from us and advance the kingdom of our God and his Messiah before it is too late. Who wants to do that? Stand up. If you choose whom you will serve this day, it means you're going to serve the Lord of hosts, and he is a mighty, mighty God. Jesus is the captain. These are military terms. He is the captain of our salvation. There is no God like our God, but he is not looking for wimps. He is looking for warriors. Why don't you say, God, teach my hands to war. Come on, raise your hands. Teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Show me what I must do in this last day, in the final hours. Give me courage to take up my cross, to charge forward into battle I have already won I will not be afraid I will take back my land from the hand of the enemy not one more day will I tolerate Satan in my life in my home in my family on my job in my church in Jesus name I demand that the land yield to me. I am a son of God. I will raise the banner and I will show forth the greatness of my God through my life, through my ministry. Yes, I have a ministry. In Jesus' name, I will take my land for Jesus. I will never give up. I will never back down. Amen. Lord, I ask you to give them the valor that they have chosen tonight, the courage to carry this forth to a desperate, dark, hurting, broken world. I ask you to put your words in their mouths and let it be fire to destroy the evil works of the devil all around them everywhere they go. Let them release the glory. Let them release the light. 
Let them walk in the anointing of the glory of the Holy One of Israel all the days of their life that they may dwell in your house forever. And I seal all this in the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Now, have a seat. Here's the result when you make the choice you just made. And I hope it was a sincere one. Here's the result. Because if, if it was not for these three courageous men, there's more than three in this room. If it were not for these three, that whole nation would have been destroyed. By the hand of God, I know it. I know it. But the fact that they stood when it was impossible. And they spoke when the tide of the world was against them. When they allowed their bodies to be thrown into a furnace. When everybody said, you'll die. They said, no, we'll live and not die. And declare the word of the Lord. And they showed the most wicked king there's ever been. They showed him that their God was greater than him. Come on. Three courageous men who had been broken and destroyed in their hopes and dreams. All they had was taken from them. Their world, their princehood, their ability to procreate, all these things were important and they were big. And they could have laid down and said, it's over, kill me here. And there are people in this room that have said that in your heart. I tell you, no. Rise above it. Three men who had no reason to even go on living stood before a wicked nation and a wicked king, and they showed the world there is a God in heaven. That's right. How many in this room would like to join that group? One, two, three. They turned that world upside down. They turned that wicked king over. He said, I make a decree that every nation, people, language, which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And now, instead of dying in a fiery furnace for their faith, it says right here, get this now, watch, 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 because of their courage, you see, there's rewards. The king promoted them in the province of Babylon. He made this interpretation. He's made them rich. They were already leaders. He made these Jewish boys rich in a wicked nation. Come on. Now, come on. They had favor, the favor of God. And God is their provider. And God multiplied 
them, promoted them, blessed them, all because they made the right choice. Will you? Will you make the right choice? You may have made it, but there are people in this room that were wavering when they walked in here tonight. I know it. Now, I've given you what God told me to give you. Are you happy about it? Are you going to go home and do it? I mean, I, I, can, I can tell you stuff all day long, but now you've got to go do it. We've got a desperate world out here. They need us. They need us. We're going to show them. This is how it's done. Look here. There's a dead man. Let's go raise him up. <gasps> well, I want your God now. Ooh. Everybody else is falling down and starving, but we have more than enough. Come, come, I'll give you a meal. Well, I want your God. Well, excellent. See, we're going to show the world through our, through our very being, through our actions, how we live, what we say, what we do. Everybody with me so far? All right, who, how many still want a healing tonight? Right. Um, I'm going to do a special song in a moment. Don't start it, but do cue the song. Get it ready. I've got... Um, <laughs> that's the one I do in South America. <laughs> I can't read it. Okay. See, it's all blacked out because... They can't do all these, they can't do it the way we do. But still millions get healed everywhere we go, amen. See, Jesus took 39 stripes on his back. I know there are people that want to argue about it. But it says 40 less 1. That's what they did back in that day. They knew that 40 stripes could kill a man. So they would do 39. They'd bring them up to the point of death so that they could keep torturing them. And that's why they did 39. But they couldn't have possibly known. Do you know doctors now say there are 39 categories of disease in the world? And Jesus took a stripe on his back for every single one. Amen. 